Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Perhaps you heard the story about the man who decided to pass on his parrot who he had taught to talk to a buddy. But he took in the parrot, was excited about having a talking bird. He didn't have to train him. There was one small issue that the former owner didn't tell him is that uh, he was once a sailor. And you know what they say, sometimes sailors don't always talk very clean, nicely, productively. He cussed like a sailor. Maybe you've heard that phrase. So he got this talking parrot, and he noticed every time somebody would come in, the parrot would say something offensive. It just wasn't real nice and kind, and it wasn't a cor- he wasn't cordial to guests that would would come in or family members that would gather around the holidays. And so anytime this parrot would misspeak after the guest would leave, he'd discipline him a little bit. He wouldn't feed him a time or two. He wouldn't let him out during the week to, to spread his wings. And, and so this went on for a while. And one day he, he said, now listen, I'm going to take it to another level. The preacher's coming over, and I don't need you to, you know, say things that are inappropriate, unkind, foul language, no pun intended. I need you to speak kindly and nicely. And so the preacher came over, and sure enough, it didn't go so well. So the preacher left. He said, listen, all right, we're going without food. He hadn't had times where you're out of the cage. So I told you, I warned you. So you're going into the ice box and the freezer for five, ten minutes. See if that doesn't help you. You might get a little cold, but you're, you're going in there. And so he threw this talking parrot that would talk inappropriately in the freezer in the ice box for about five or ten minutes, brought him out. He was shaking. He was cold. And he said, I hope that you have learned your lesson. I have. He said, do you have any questions? Because this doesn't need to happen again. Do you have any questions at all? He said, I have one question. And he said, okay, what is it? He said, what did that turkey do? Well, the turkey's been thawed and we've eaten it. Some of us are still eating the turkey. Uh, It's behind us and Black Friday is behind us. And so what do we do now? I want to invite you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. And this is God's will, not only for the church at Thessalonica, Paul writing this letter to the church as he did other churches in the epistles in the New Testament. We see that. We're walking through Ephesians right now. We'll pick back up in the new year with the last few chapters. But here here he's talking to a church, and he reminded them of several things because they were struggling. There is no perfect church, and so they were struggling just like the church at Corinth wrote two letters to them as well. And so he, he, he's basically saying, now, look, you, some of you are uptight about Jesus' return. You need to know he is returning. First Thessalonians 5 talks about that. 
For the Lord shall return with the shout, with the archangel, the shout of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead, and Christ shall rise first, and those that remain are alive shall be caught up together in the clouds, in the air with the Lord, and there they will forever be with him. And so he was reiterating, you don't know the time, you don't know the date, you don't know all there is to know about that, but you need to know as a church, as a Christian, you need to be ready, live each day with God's priorities. So that was part of the letter. Another part of the letter is they were struggling. They were persecuted. They had issues in their family. They had issues in the church family. They had trials and tribulations. And he made sure they knew, don't think that it's strange to have a tough time in this world. In other words, you're not home yet, church. Heaven is your home. And so he spent some time reminding them They're not home, but God is faithful. And right in the midst of this, and toward the end of the letter, he says, and by the way, this is God's will. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, we're going to get to the third thing just because we have a Thanksgiving day set aside in our country, and I'm so grateful we do. It's so much fun in so many different ways. It is important for us to understand each one of these things. There are many things that are God's will, and sometimes we want to know God's specific will, and we want to skip over what we know is God's will. This is God's will. One is to be joyful. Be joyful. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, that your life appears, that you also will appear with him in glory. So our present position is in Christ. Our future position is in Christ. And so with that, we can't let our emotions take over or our circumstances because of our position Christ in you the hope of glory you see happiness is dependent on circumstances around us joy is dependent on the God in us as a Christian and above us the creator of all things for example I can be real happy on Friday night when I'm there with my wife and the grandchildren have gone to bed and my daughter and, and son-in-law, for whatever reason, left, left them with us for a few days, which was a little risky. They're gone and there's two, there's a fourth of a pie left. And I can be happy that most people are gone and the kids are down and Kelly's a little more careful with her eating habits than I am right now. And I can be happy that I'm going to get not just one piece of that pie, but both pies pieces of pie all by myself that's called happiness but the next day when you wake up I wasn't so happy because I was sluggish had issues health physically it just wasn't good but you know what I still had joy because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ So even when things that I bring on myself because of my choices aren't good, I still have the joy of Jesus. 
because of some things that happened in your house, you still have the joy of Jesus. Because some things just don't go quite right, even at Thanksgiving. But we find out in Galatians that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So it's not something we can work up in one day or we can be unhappy or we can be sluggish and say, Dear God, I need joy right now. No. It comes from an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. I had this video all planned out in my mind on Friday, which is the most of the time when I do these little videos that I put on uh, church's Facebook and mine about it's Friday. And so I thought, I'm going to do one with my grandchildren. You know, I've learned something. If you have a dog and grandchildren, people usually watch your video. It it, it really doesn't matter a lot what you say. You want to say something important. But if you got your dog, you got your grandchildren, They find that to be nice, and you want to see what's going on. So I thought, I'm here with them. It's Friday, and I want to talk about the fact that during Christmas, it's wonderful to be with your family, but there are some that are alone. They're lonely. Sometimes realistically, really, y'all, folks can be really lonely during the holidays, even when they're in a crowd, but sometimes by themselves. We need to be sensitive to that. So I had this all planned out in my mind, and the day before, I saw this lonely cow. We were in south Mississippi. We were driving driving down this little road, and I was by myself, made a coffee run, and I saw this lonely cow, a bunch of cows over here, but this cow was all by himself. Now, I wasn't raised on the farm. I don't know all there is about farming. I was raised in Italic County, so I was exposed to some of that, but I don't know a lot about cows and goats and farming, but there was this lone cow by himself, and I thought, that's it. We're going to do a video, with, and that cow's going to be right there, We're going to park right here on the side of the road, and that cow's going to be right there. And I'm going to have my grandchildren. I'm going to leave the dog Woodrow at home, and I'm going to do this video. And Kelly's going to video it. I gave her heads up before. And so I said, look, I found the cow. He's by himself. Everything's great. So the next day we go. We get the kids. We get dressed. We put the little hood on, and we go. And lo and behold, that cow's right there. I See, I told you, Kelly, there's the cow. It's right there. We get out of the car. She's ready to do the video. I've got my script in mind of what I might say, and the cow leaves us. We go up toward it. He takes off running. So it makes sense to me, man. Well, look, we got to do this video, Kelly. Now, she wasn't really keen on us chasing the cow down the road, but I said, it's going to be fine. So I've got... I've got A.J., my granddaughter, and we're going, and Logan, I mean, Braven is saying, what are we doing, Big H? What are we doing? We're going chasing the cow. Just trust me. Come on, let's go. So we go on down the road, and the cow continues to just run. Right when we get to the right spot, he just keeps on running and running. I said, all right, let's go back. We'll do the family of cows. They're pretty stable. So there was cows in the background, a whole family of cows, big bunch of cows, mooing. They didn't smell so good. Braven brought that out. And, and, and things just weren't working out. And so you don't need to tell my daughter, but here's the bottom line. Someone pointed it out, several did. I had my granddaughter and my grandson on the side of the road in a ditch making a video. That was not real good. Some folks weren't happy about me doing that. And I heard about it a little bit later on. But we survived. We made it through. Didn't hit by a car. We, made, we had a good time. Now, things probably go, went perfect at your house during Thanksgiving. I mean, everybody behaved. 
That crazy uncle you have just seemed like he got sense in the last year. He behaved. Aunt Bessie was fine. All the dogs and everything went fine. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes in life during the holidays, as well as outside the holidays, stuff happens to Christians. It's not always happy. And yet, we can have the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've had the pleasure of getting to know different people, and some of our folks uh, are homebound for different reasons. And so, one of those people, and I could give many examples, not just homebound, but just in our church that have the joy of the Lord. Always enjoy being around them because they're full of joy and always a blessing. But one of the ladies that I want to mention this morning, I didn't get permission to, but maybe I'll get forgiveness. Phil and I went and saw a lady named Miss Jean Stewart, whose husband has passed away. She used to teach a lady Sunday school class. I'd never, well, I met Jean briefly because of some health issues. She lives a little far away. She's not able to come a whole lot just every once in a while. And so when I was talking to Miss Jean and meeting Miss Jean, there was just, and she was hearing her testimony, like there was something there was something about that last. What is up with this woman? She is really a special. And so she was just humble and loving and gracious and in spite of her circumstances. And I saw she had this different artwork and pictures and frames and all these different things that she had made and others had made for her some people ladies in our class in our in her class from our church and there was this one word up there and I, I don't recall ever seeing this in a person's house in the primary room the living room area and it was abide John 15 5 says abide in me if you abide in me and I in you you will bear much fruit and so I finally asked Jean I said tell me about that word and oh her face lit up she talked about who gave it to her, and then she talked about her teaching on it. And she, she, she gave testimony to how God has been faithful all the, those years of her life as she has sought to serve him and grow in him and do what she can to bless other people in spite of her circumstances. And it was because of why. It was like, that's the key. Abide. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. And so we need to remember as we're working through the Thanksgiving sluggishness and we're thinking about going to work or back to school and thinking about the holiday season, it can be hectic but wonderful, challenging but Christ-like as we put him number one and realize that's what it's about. We need to realize that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and he's where our joy comes from, and we just keep abiding in him. Be joyful always. Don't let our circumstances or our emotions get the best of us. It's going to happen. Christian life is not easy, but God is faithful, and so we keep trusting in him. We keep turning our eyes to him, and that leads us to the second thing. I don't think it's just an accident that these were laid out like this. Be joyful always. That's God's will for you and for me as Christian. And then be prayerful. Pray continually 
in all circumstances. Robert J. Morgan, he said, prayer should not necessarily be constantly occurring, but consistently reoccurring. I want to give you the name of a book. Some folks uh, like books to be recommended, especially during the holiday season. So I want to I want to give you one for our church family and those that might want to know about it because we continue to try to emphasize prayer and make sure that's a, a real genuine part of our DNA, not just learned about it, but practicing and studying and being exposed to different speakers and books. And so if you're looking for a good Christmas present or a book for yourself for the next year, here's one by a guy named Chuck Lawless, L-A-W-L-E-S, The Potential and Power of prayer, the potential and power of prayer. Let me just give you just a little excerpt. He talks about how Satan does not, he's lost us. If we're a believer, he's lost us. But he wants us to be miserable. He doesn't want us to fulfill our purpose. He doesn't want us to fulfill our mission in life. He wants us to not be joyful, to be the totally opposite on a pattern and a consistent basis. And so he does that through fiery darts. He has, he's very deceptive. He does all kind of things, but he focuses in here on how Satan hates it when we pray. Prayer's not always easy, and so he talks about why, why uh, this happens. He said, number one, prayer says to the enemy who fights against prayer, God, I love you, and God, I need you. It says, God, I love you, and God, I need you. So Satan and his imps know, hey, and he knows our heart. You know, we can just recite prayers that we've learned. We can just stand up and pray in public, but it may not be in our heart. God knows about your prayer life and about mine, and we trust him. But Satan also When he hears our prayers, God, I love you. God, I need you. Satan and his forces do not like either one of those ideas. They detest our relationship. They detest our relationship, meaning the enemy, with God and our dependence on him. Number two, and this isn't in your notes right now. Prayer is an act of faith. Prayer says not only I love you and need you, but also I trust you and you can grant me triumph over the enemy. Third reason Satan hates it, prayer is powerful against everything the enemy wants to accomplish. Satan may be powerful, but God is all powerful. It's a good little book. Almost finished with it. Want to recommend it because none of us ever learn all there is to know about prayer. Perhaps that's something you want to think about for a Christmas gift. Now, back to your notes. When we think about the life of Christ, when we think about the epistles, when we think about the Old Testament and New Testament, how do we pray? When do we pray? Here's your outline. Gave you a lot of sub points on your listening sheet today, intentionally on purpose as we think about having gone through the holidays and maybe a little tired and those kind of things. So here we go. Usually you have sub points, but here we are. Be ready. 
We should pray early in the morning because I'm going to go through these pretty rapidly. Mark 1.35, Jesus rose early, went to a solitary place and prayed. We should pray late in the evening, Luke 6.12. He continued all night in prayer. When should we pray? We should pray before great events in life. Jesus prayed before choosing the 12 disciples. Sermon on the Mount, his public ministry announced the death of the 12. To the 12, the great consummation of his life we should pray after great events and crisis after jesus fed the five thousand he went away and prayed he went from victory to victory next we should pray when we don't have time the busier christ's life was the more he prayed in luke 15 15 through 16 we see this martin luther once declared i have so much business i cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer the priority of prayer and then lastly in your notes we should pray before temptations in life and that happens all the time christ when christ christ drew close to the cross he went to the garden of gethsemane to pray he told his disciples sit here while i go and pray the bottom line is prayer one pastor put it this way if you're tired sick emotionally overwhelmed pray if you're on cloud nine and life seems perfect pray if you lack direction pray if you doubt that prayer makes a difference pray if the circumstances are out of your control pray if the circumstances of your life seem well within your control pray even harder whatever you do pray as we move into December and we move forward and we understand God's will, we're to be joyful always. We're to pray continually. Even if we feel like we're not a professor, we don't know all there is to know in God's word about pray, just keep praying. Pray, pray, pray some more. And thirdly, we're to be thankful. We see that in the scripture. Thanksgiving was not one of our president's ideas, though I'm thankful for the holiday, it was God's idea to be thankful in all circumstances. Sometimes we say, well, how can we be thankful when our circumstances are rough? Because what God is going to do through it and in us after the fact. All things, Romans eight twenty eight, work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. When Mark Twain was at the height of his writing career, the very pinnacle, he was paid $5 per word for every word that he wrote. One day I was reading about this story. Someone wrote him a letter and said, Dear Mr. Twain, send me your favorite word and enclosed a $5 bill in the envelope. Mark Twain simply wrote back to this man a one-word letter. Thanks. Is thanks... Your favorite word? Is it my favorite word? Is thanks a word that we say often? Is thanks your very best word? I believe that one of the keys to Mark Twain's success was that thanks really was not only his favorite word, but it also was a word that he used often. Thanksgiving was his heart. He had a kind of from what I understand and read about him, a contagious joy about his writing. For example, when he wrote about procrastination, he said, don't put off until tomorrow what you can put off until the day after tomorrow. He said, staying in good physical condition, he says, about that, when I feel urged to exercise, I sit down until the urge passes. 
That's good to hear right now, isn't it? Mark Twain was able to laugh at himself, just like old Swanee last week, the big swan who came, the Christian comedian. He was able to laugh at life because thanks was his favorite word. Ironically, one of the people in this world out of whose heart thanksgiving flowed the most freely was the apostle Paul. Ironically, Paul experienced in this life, and I have, I have no way to, to relate to any of this. Some of you might on some of these, but I doubt all of them. Shipwreck. People tried to murder him. People threw stones at him. He almost died many times. He was in prison. He was misunderstood. He was hated. He was resented. He was misrepresented. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it is. Some say it was a physical challenge. Maybe he had a limp. Maybe there's, there was something wrong with his sight. We, we don't know. We can only conjecture. But he had a thorn in the flesh. It was like sandpaper, and it caused him to keep going back to God. And yet, do you know the words that were used again and again, Paul's life and ministry to his letters, Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, the one we read, thanks and joy. And I believe we can learn from the apostle Paul, the three secrets, if you will, of a thankful heart. They're right there in your outline on major point number three about being thankful. Number one, in order to be a thankful person, do not, do not, do not focus on the things you do not have. Focus on the things that we do have by God's grace. Paul said in Philippians 4, I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, can you imagine that? He learned that. You can learn that. I can learn that. No matter the circumstances, we can learn to be content. Dear God, help me to be content no matter what's going on in my life. Help me to have that type of gratitude. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, said that if we aren't thankful for the little things, then God will not entrust us to the big things. There was a lady named Nadine Hammonds. She lived in Memphis, Tennessee. She received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Bible Society. Nadine memorized the entire New Testament. She was blind. And when she was asked, are you resentful that you could never see? She said, oh, my goodness, no. I do wish I could see a sunset. I would love to see the ocean. I would love to see the stars, she said. But see, I learned a long time ago, you don't focus on what you don't have. I think about what I do have. And God gave me a good mind, she said. So if I can study the Bible by Braille and by tapes some hours every day, I've now got the Bible in my memory bank, she said. It is a great gift from God. When Nadine's brother, who was himself a portrait painter painted her he painted her with beautiful eyes wide open why because her brother said this my sister sees more than most people ever see in a lifetime secondly second secret sub point number two last point do not do not do not focus on your present circumstances focus on almighty god now this is hard this is not easy but it's something we can do we put scriptures in front of us we're reminded of that we sing songs most scholars believe that paul wrote hebrews as well hebrews 12 2 says 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Another story of this example is in the 17th century, it's hard not to focus on the circumstances of one individual. It was 1636 in a little town called Eilenburg, Germany. There was a pastor of that town who I understand was the name, had the name of Martin Rinkard. It was a terrible time. Pestilence and famine and violence spread throughout that city. And then in 1636, the plague came. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children and teenagers and men and women were dying. And he was the pastor. And here this young pastor of this parish in the year of 1636 due to the plague averaged, now get this, 40 to 50 funerals every day. Every day day he said to his congregation and i quote we must lean on god's presence we must be the presence of jesus for one another we must have the sustaining presence of the spirit to guide us or we're not going to make it because somebody someday whether we are in this life or the next it is the presence of jesus that we're going to be experiencing 1936 He was so focused on the presence of God, he wrote a hymn. It's a hymn called, Now Thank We All Our God. In Germany, other than a mighty fortress is our God, Now Thank We Our God is the most frequently sung hymn. Thinking about a pastor who is burying 40 to 50 people every day who didn't dwell on those circumstances, but he dwelled on the one whose arms he leaned on, God. We all have challenges. So often we focus so much on a challenge or several that we fail to focus on the presence of Jesus. And yet he says we're to be content and we're to learn to be content. Let's be reminded of what to focus on. Number three, secret, if you will, Paul said, We gather from God's word. If you would be a person of a thankful heart, focus not on what other people can do for you and all the things they should have done to appreciate you or me, but focus rather on how you can serve someone else. Christ said we should have the attitude of Christ. Paul said we should have the attitude of Christ Jesus, who being by very nature God became a servant and showed us an example of how to live. There's a word therapon in the Greek language for servant. From the word servant in Greek therapon, we get the English word therapy. The best therapy is doing something for someone else. I wrote this down. When was the last time we spent more time thinking about who we could encourage and thank than about who we could straighten out. God help us to be a servant because sometimes that is a temptation. So we ask God to help us to be more of a blessing. Sure, correct, instruct, discipline when we have that authority 
And we need, it needs to happen, but understand, instead of speak, spending more time thinking about how we can straighten folks out, if they would only maybe more time thinking about who we can encourage and bless with our words and our gifts. Focus not on what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. That's God's will. Focus not on present circumstances. Focus on the presence of Jesus. That's God's will to be prayerful. Focus not on what other people should be doing for you and me, but focus on what we could do for them. You know, there's one other thing that is definitely God's will. It's in 1 Peter. It's God's will that not any should perish, but everyone come to repentance. If you're here today, if you're listening, and you never admitted your sin and put your faith in Jesus alone to save you, Jesus alone, today, the Bible says, the day of salvation. That is the greatest decision you will ever make, and it'll change your life forever when you keep your eyes focused on Him. Let Him be your joy. Keep talking to Him till you get home, meaning in heaven, and have a grateful heart. Dear God, I pray if there's somebody here that's never given their life to you, that they will today. God, I pray that you would help us keep these things in mind, that these things, these attributes, these points in your word is your will. So God, help us in going forward today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to stand. Robert and others will be leading us in our invitation hymn. The staff will be with me down front. If there's some kind of decision that you need to make public or something you'd like to have prayer for, that's why we're here. Let God guide you. Don't leave here wishing you had said or done something that God's working on you right now to do or to say. The altar is open to pray.